Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Gateway brought to you by the Northern Illinois University College of Business where your future is without boundaries and our approach is to. I am joined as always with my incredible co-host Dr. Biagio Palese. Hello Biagio! Ciao a tutti! Welcome, welcome to another great episode. For this episode... Esports, the next generation of gaming. The Gateway is happy to have Alexander Kramer, the marketing and events coordinator for the Northern Illinois University Collegiate Esports team. Alex will be able to provide insight on one of the fastest growing cultures in the world, competitive gaming. We will explore what it's like to be on a competitive team, how to get on a team, and any misconceptions about competitive gaming. Alex, welcome to The Gateway. It's so good to have you. So great to be here, guys. How are we all doing today? We're good. We're good. So I'm I'm thoroughly excited to be talking with you today because you're, you're actually someone involved in uh, what I would define as the the esports community, which uh, over the probably 10, 15, 20 years even, it, it's really kind of taken our world by storm. But overall, I, I think the majority of our human population still don't know much about it. So I, I'm hoping you can enlighten us, kind of give us your perspective and go from there. So I want to start at the beginning. For for you, what what how do you define esports? Let's just start there. So um, esports, on at a very basic level, it uh, delves down to a competitive video game. Um, so every every esport is a video game, but it's also important to note that not every video game is an esport. You know, you can you can make a game like Super Mario Brothers competitive. You know, you could race to, to see who finishes first. But there are specific titles that are sort of designated by the community as a whole as as an esport title. Um, there's it could be an individual thing so there's a lot of esport titles like super smash brothers for example that is a one-on-one competition but most esports have some sort of uh, team component to it ranging anywhere from three players to six players uh depending depending on the game and there's there's really sort of two avenues to esports is one um is sort of the the purely online ranking system to it uh most esports have a, a quote-unquote competitive mode um, for their games. So it gives you a ranking based on how you performed in your last X number of games. Uh, and it puts you in matches with people of that same skill ranking. So you're always going to have close competitive matches. If you win, your skill ranking goes up. If you lose, your skill ranking goes down. Um, and then the other part, and the part that I, I'm most involved with is, is organized esports. Um, and just like traditional sports, esports has professional leagues, amateur leagues, collegiate leagues, um, and even high school programs. And I've seen a few middle school programs as well. Um, and they usually play uh, in external leagues outside of the game client themselves. Um, and it's usually hosted by either the company themselves or a third party uh, tournament organizer. Okay, so that that was, thank you for that. Cause that's a really strong definition. And I already learned something here. And, and I would define myself as, as a relatively regular gamer um but from from what you said when i'm when i'm playing a video game and i'm playing against other people and and it's just just me sitting you know in my house and they're just sitting in their house but we're competing against each other that still technically falls under like esports 
sports then? Like, can I walk around saying I'm an esports athlete right now? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> if you're going up against someone, you're you're competing in a game to see who's the winner. Uh, you know, that's an esport in my book. Perfect. Okay, great. I, I like that. Now I got to add that to my resume. So thanks for that. <laughs> uh, um, so I, I think then we have we have an idea, at least I think the majority of the world has an idea of what gaming is, playing video games, all of that stuff. So where does um, this transition from esports being something that people maybe get together with friends and do to something that that you defined as an organized type um, experience. What what changes that, and and how do you how do you define that? What makes that different? I guess. So I guess it just depends on on who you're playing with. You know, if you're just playing by by yourself in online competitive mode, like that is that is still esports. But when it comes to the the organized fashion of things, you you know, it can range anywhere from uh, a, a group of a group of friends starting to compete in external tournaments to uh, a student at NIU going um, and wanting to try out for one of our varsity teams. Once you sort of get that external part of it, um, then it becomes uh, a much different game, and that's something that I've always I've always said to the people who are. Uh, getting into the collegiate esports space, especially, um, is that organized esports is very different from the game that you play online because you're uh, you have a set of teammates that you're always going to be playing with. Compared to when you're playing online, you're going to have a, a set of different randos every single time you play. But when in organized, it's it's much more intense. It's much there's much higher focus on team building and communication rather than just pure skill. And it's a lot, it's a lot tougher too, um, because you're also going up against teams who sometimes have been playing with each other for several years um, and have built such a strong chemistry together that, that they are much greater together than just the sum of their parts. And that's where I then start to give I think there's a debate, or at least I was reading and seeing about it a while back when some of the more uh, traditional athletic based networks were, uh, were kind of having an internal discussion about whether or not esports was uh, sports, whether it should be covered on ESPN or things like that stuff. Um, I've seen them them kind of buy into it a little bit. You start to see it, uh, you know, with Madden and some of the, the more traditional actual sports video games kind of taking that on. And through the pandemic, I was incredibly uh, surprised how quickly those networks started jumping onto video game and esports games to get some of their programming when all of the real sports were were kind of taken away, but uh, I want, what is it like then to be on what you would define as that competitive team, the one that you're working with the same people that, that seems like a completely different shift. How do you, how does that go about? I mean, yeah, it definitely, it certainly was an adjustment um, going into to playing on an organized team for the first time. And like I mentioned earlier, it's just learning a lot of your teammates' tendencies, you know, just like in traditional sports, um, you got to know your teammates, you got to get along with your teammates, you got to know what their tendencies are so you can plan your own play around that. Um, and it's, like I said, it's just an entirely different ball game. Wow. Okay. Alex, I, yeah, go ahead. I have a good question. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like Ross and uh, ESport <laughs> athlete yet, but um, I was yeah. wondering... Because you bring out to this like team elements and um, 
the fact that you pretty much are a, a, a team, like a regular sport team. Do you guys have coaches or like, is, is that going to be beneficial for you guys to kind of plan ahead before starting a tournament, boss strategy and stuff like that? Yes. So we do have coaches, um, especially here at NIUB Esports, but it's also something that every single professional esports team that you have has a coach in some form or fashion. Uh, most of them have several coach, you know, and several coaches and a, a whole coaching staff. Um, but NIU Esports, we have uh, a dedicated coach for each of our four varsity titles. Um, and that's actually what, what my position was last year. I was our Overwatch coach. And I, I'd have to say, you know, I came up with... Uh, our game plans. Um, I set up s schedules for practices and games, you know, contacted the other teams, making sure the rule sets are, are being followed, making sure we're complying with our conferences rule sets. Um, but I have to say, as far as in-game stuff goes, um, teaching players these strategies in-game only accounts for about 30 to 40% of my job. A lot of my job is, is the external things like I had mentioned but also making sure the team is a cohesive unit, making sure they're getting along, keeping morale up, kind of being that voice uh, when, when games don't always go your way to you know, say, you know, pick, uh, pick your head up, everything's gonna be all right, we got this. Um, and it, it, it was a lot of fun being a coach in esports, and it's also a lot of work at the same time. Mm -hmm. So Alex, everything you just said there, again, goes back to uh, the uh, comparison of a, of a traditional athletic sports team practices, setting up these things, strategies, plays, designs, uh, tactics, all of that stuff there. I, I first, can you, for at least within the collegiate level here and at NIU, you said um, the titles and things like that, what games are 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 NIU competing in? And then are there more? Is that, are there some that aren't like, I guess you could say college eligible yet? Like, like how, how are those things kind of defined? So uh, for NIU Esports specifically, uh, we are members of the Esports Collegiate Conference. Uh, and that conference is comprised of all the Mid-American Conference schools. So all the schools that we play for football and basketball. Um, in addition to Northern Kentucky University and Northeastern University. So a 14 team conference. Um, and what we consider a varsity level is sort of dictated by what games are being competed at the conference. So the conference decides uh, what games are going to be played. And that's, that's based mostly on a few things. Um, the most importantly, how popular is the game uh, in the college landscape? And then how much support uh, does the developer give to external tournaments and especially in the collegiate space. Um, so our four games are League of Legends, Overwatch, Rocket League, and Valorant. Um, and we have dedicated players for each of those games. Um, so there's, there's, um, there have been cases in the past where we've had some multi-esport athletes, so to speak, where people play on multiple games, but the, the games and the times that you play them now um, are demanding enough where it's very hard to, to focus in multiple at once. Um, you know, just like in traditional sports, you see a lot of, uh, you, you hear sometimes stories of a football player, uh, you learn, oh, he played baseball in college, that's interesting. Um, but once you get to the professional level, you really can only only focus in one. Wow. Uh, so then within that one, you're, you're obviously talking about the demand and all that stuff. For, let's start at anyone who might be out there listening that that's heading to college or currently at college, what is the, the demand for a, a 
college collegiate esport athlete? What is that looking like on a, on a week basis? What is that, that kind of that time investment like? It really depends on the program um, that you're in. Uh, so collegiate esports, there's there's hundreds of programs around the country, and they're all sort of varying in levels of you know how far developed they are. Um, a lot of programs are still just student clubs, um, but there are some extremely robust programs that exist in the nation. Um, for for NIU esports specifically, uh, we ask our players to put in around 12 to 15 hours a week of their time. Uh, dedicated to practice team meetings, matches, um, in addition to whatever they're whatever they're playing on their own time to to keep up with the current trends in the game itself. Wow, are wow. you are you thinking that this could go um, kind of underneath? And, and it's just your opinion. I'm not, you know, but I'm saying looking out. Are you saying seeing that this could become an element of uh, like under the umbrella of NCAA regulations, where hey, you you can't be video gaming more than 25 hours a week, including like, do you see that happening, or do you think that that that's going to still stay separate for a while because um, because of some of those maybe older or more entrenched biases against esports gaming. Yeah, and this, like, like you mentioned earlier, this is just my personal opinion, it doesn't reflect mm -hmm. what any what esports thinks, but I think there's a lot of, a lot of positives and negatives of an NCAA regulation. Um, currently, I, I enjoy um, having no NCAA regulation because mm -hmm. uh, it does allow us a lot of, a lot of flexibility for our players. Um, for example, uh, a lot of our players need to work, uh, you know, external jobs, you know, and you know, NCAA has strict rules on, on student athletes working, working external jobs. Another thing that's great is uh, teams can make money outside of what they're playing uh, for us. So say if our team enters in an external tournament, um, we win, we win a, some, some money for it. We can keep all of it and there's no, there's no violation there. Um, but one thing I have to say, it is uh, hard to keep up with uh, collegiate esports, especially if you're looking at it um, from the outside, uh, because there's so many different groups and conferences and, and programs that it, it could be really hard to keep up with one thing. So having something like an NCAA would uh, have some drawbacks, but it would also make things much more streamlined. So it, it's, it's, it's a gray area. I'm not exactly sure how I you know feel about it 100%. Um, but yeah, that, that's my take on it. And if, Alex, I think if you think about it in terms of like the jobs you were talking about at that point, then probably they will have to introduce some scholarship and stuff like that, right? And it can't treat you guys like like regular athletes if, if it becomes regulated, right? Yes, or, yes. And, and that's the thing. A lot of uh, colleges are offering scholarships for their players. Already? And I, Yes, actually, oh, wow. NIU Esports, uh, just a couple months ago, we had a uh, crowdfunding campaign to raise money to start a scholarship fund, and we reached our goal. Um, so we're going to, uh, starting this year, we're going to be giving uh, all of our players a partial scholarship uh, for being on the team because, you know, they put in a lot of time and they're doing, oh, yeah. up until recently, they're doing it completely for free. Um, and they're just, they do it just purely out of love for the game. And we wanted to help legitimize what we're doing here and help support these players financially because as you both know school school isn't cheap um so we're happy to to give a partial scholarship uh, some schools not not a ton some schools are giving 
full rides to their universities to play um, oh. for their universities' esports teams. Well, wow, yeah, yeah, that that is that is truly insightful. So then, my next question within that is if if colleges and universities are 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 starting to support this financially, just like athletics, just like football, softball, whatever, there there then becomes a, a monetary backdrop to that as well. And, and you even mentioned that, that you can go to different um, events and actually win money. So that's, I think, some of where you start to define more of the collegiate and the professional level is that there's actually real dollars on the line for some of these um, competitions you're going to. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, so, for example, when I played um, on our Overwatch team in my undergrad before I got hired onto the program, uh, there'd be tournaments that we would compete in that uh, the grand prize would be, you know, $2,000 per player in, in scholarship money. Granted, you know, we never even got close to sniffing that at the time, but um, there are, uh, there are scholarship uh, prizing to be had in some of these collegiate tournaments. Alex, sorry, I, I'm not, again, I'm not an expert on this, but all these, tournament that you guys are doing are done remotely or do you guys actually travel to a specific location or it depends on the tournament uh so right now we're doing everything um remotely but remotely okay. from from a location so uh we have our niu esports arena that just opened up in uh, old guild hall um it's a it's a fantastic space love to show you guys around it sometime um and for anyone listening uh it is a stop on uh, the open house tour so just keep a keep an eye out for that um but all our all our players play from the arena themselves so all our all of our team is in person together but our other teams are uh, elsewhere they're they're playing around around the country and there is a hope to you know fingers crossed maybe there'll be some some external events uh in person that'll happen um but uh time will tell with that I know the national championship for uh, collegiate league of legends. They're having an in-person event um, at their studios in Los Angeles. Wow. Hmm. So to answer your question, mostly remote, but there are, mm -hmm. um, there are in-person events that come with it. Wow. Uh, okay. So, so I, I love this stuff and, and this might go a little bit beyond your experience here, Alex, but again, I, I, as, as Biagio and myself have both made it very clear that we're, we're not as versed in this as you are. Um, so, so what defines then a, a professional esports athlete and, and what is just, again, from your perspective, um, what is that like? What, what is, what is that life like, I guess? Well, I mean, I, I've never had much, um, much space in the professional, uh, mm -hmm. e world. Um, you know, I was never nearly good enough to get to that level. Um, but with professional esports, you're, you're playing for a team. You have a dedicated salary. Um, just speaking of, of what I know, I know the, the Overwatch league, they're uh, a professional esports league. They have a salary minimum of $50,000 a year plus benefits. Um, so you're, you're making a salary. Um, that's something that's really evolved over time. So about you know, 10 to 15 years ago, there was um, this, this thing in esports where teams would largely just be solely funded by prize pools. 
Um, and there was a larger focus on, on how much money the tournament was giving away to their winners. And that's what, what kept you going. Um, I like the shift to salaries because it gives a lot more stability. Um, you don't have to worry about paying your rent on, on your performance. You just have to focus on improving as a player. Um, and you do get your, your salary for that. And I guess sort of going into um, professional esports are sort of two different types of professional esports that I think are, are very interesting. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a big debate in esports um, about franchising versus non-franchising. So with a lot of professional leagues um, for the top esports, it works very similar to how an NBA or an MLB works. Uh, and owners or investors pay a certain amount of money to the league to guarantee a spot. Um, it, uh, so if, you know, there are some pros and cons to this, um, you know, it does allow for teams to be great, uh, largely invested in their teams at the highest level. Um, but on the other avenue, there's also non-franchising leagues, which essentially works like an open ecosystem. Um, mm. So there's leagues, but anyone can qualify for it through, through a series of tournaments or events beating a group of five friends can can get together, um, spend a lot of time dedicating their craft, getting really good at the game, and make it to the highest stage in that esport, um, and and make a lot of money in turn doing so. Um, but large investors are afraid of that because what if they put a lot of money into this team, they don't do well, and then they don't get to make it to the top stage really. So that's why franchising, that's where franchising comes into play. So it allows large investors to, to have the security of having this guaranteed team in this league. I see. Would, would Alex, that then, and, uh, go ahead. Peter. Oh, I, was, I was curious if uh, like when, when you made the example of a group of friends kind of joining and trying uh, on the second option uh, with, with that franchise, right? I was wondering, can you at the college level, like the NIU team, can you try and do in that? professional league or or not so if it's a non-franchise league yes you can yeah. um and niu is is free to do something like that and we have competed in external tournaments um granted the the amount of hours that professional players put in it's it's mm. it's a lot it's it's double triple even quadruple the amount of hours of what we're asking our players to to put in um and but but yes, it is theoretically possible for, uh, for us to. So it becomes a jobs. It becomes a real jobs, right? Because yes, you're it, talking it is about a, it is fifteen a, hours. Yes, for professional esports, it is a, a full time full time full time career. A lot of players are, are putting in you know fifty, sixty, sometimes seventy hour hours a week wow. into to getting to getting good. Um, you know because unlike sports where you know you you need to have recovery time because you're doing a lot of things very physical. Um, that sort of thing uh, doesn't exist as much in the esports space. I still personally believe in in having uh, a good balance of gaming to to rest time, because mental burnout is something that is uh, is a prevalent problem in esports uh, on the professional level. Um, players playing a lot, getting burnt out. Um, that I think a nice balance could be reached with with work life in the professional esports field. So then, Alex, when you're talking about the franchise side of that stuff, I'm thinking of that as a, a 
kind of a traditional hub and spoke business model almost like you have, you know, the X team and they're the franchise. Does that team potentially compete in multiple different uh, games? So like, hey, they, they represent, but they may have different players, but that same uh, logo basically and, and team name is playing in League of Legends as well as some of the other ones you've mentioned uh, or is it like no 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 this franchise literally is specific to league of legends or you know super smash brothers things like that yes yeah, so there there are organizations uh, a lot of or, a lot of the top organizations compete in several different esports um so i'll just give team liquid as an example so team liquid has teams in a lot of games some of them are franchised so they have to worry about you know qualifying for these tournaments and and constantly being at the top of their game to to compete at the highest level but they also have purchased a spot in the uh, league championship series which is the north american uh, league of legends esports league so no matter what their performance is in that league they're always going to have a spot in that league because they paid that franchise fee um but every every team has their own dedicated set of players dedicated coaching staff um yeah so do you see that as, because I know you come from a business background, do you see that as, as potentially be, becoming um, something where people are walking around with, with uh, you know, liquid jerseys on because they know that franchise just like they know the Chicago Cubs or, you know, the New York Yankees? Is, is that kind of maybe what they're trying to do with that or is that too far-fetched? No, I mean, yeah, you're already seeing it a little bit. Granted, it's not as as prevalent as as saying seeing a, a baseball hat is around, but um, there have been a lot of times where I've seen people walk around in esports merch, and that's on the business side. That's one thing that I think is is great about esports is that with these teams, most of the time there is there is a, a couple of exceptions, but most of the time these teams are not tied to a specific city or location. So these organizations are able to cultivate a worldwide audience. Um, you do see some regionality with things, um, just depending on where their headquarters is. So there's some teams that have a very heavy um, Europe-based fan base because they're based in Europe, but you still see a ton of fans of this European organization in America and vice versa. And that's something that I think is, is really cool. So it's, uh, it's pretty much competition without boundaries, right? And, and can, can I ask you, like, if there is a predominance of, like, a specific country over another where there are more teams coming from, or is that pretty much, like, distributed all over the world? It depends on the game. So with the game, like Overwatch, for example, um, a, a good majority of the top players are, uh, are from South Korea. Um, oh. there's, there's a handful of players from um, Europe, and there's a good number of players from America, but that's mostly um, South Korean um, players are, are very good at that game. Um, with Valorant, it's much more of a, a worldwide thing where it's very popular in North America, Europe, but also seeing a lot of uh, traction from South America. So countries like Brazil um, have, a, have a pretty large Valorant scene. Um, Japan is, is big in certain esports. Um, it, it truly is a global thing, but certain esports does have a higher representation of one nationality over the other. Hmm. You mentioned earlier that when, when 
competitions are developing and, and certain games are being selected as as these staples for competition uh, that it it relies on popularity, of course. Uh, but then also the developer supporting that stuff. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because when you're saying developer, you're literally meaning the company that created the video game itself, right? Yes, yes. So the company that, that creates the game um, has a lot of say in how their, their game is ran. And of course, they, they, they need to. It's, it's, their, it's their intellectual property. Um, so to give an example of uh, an eSport that does very well despite its developer support is Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers... Um, is a fighting game made by Nintendo, um, and it has it, it is one of the the larger. I'd have to say probably it's probably the largest individual based esports. So just one on one play, um, despite having a lot of grief and a lot of um, issues with Nintendo. Um, mm-hmm. So they'll try to get a a very large tournament going for Smash Brothers, and Nintendo will send a, a DMCA or or order them to to stop this tournament because. Technically, this third-party organization is making money based on their property, um, but I think they've come around a little bit on it, and uh, other esport organizations are very good at knowing, like, hey, this is kind of free advertisement for our game. Having all these these leagues and all these tournaments happen for our game is good publicity for us. Um, so, thankfully, it's going in it's going in the right direction as far as developer support goes. Hey, Alex, I have actually like a question because, um, I mean, according to you, what would be the dark side of, of, uh, of, of a company of developers for having a, like a gameplay there as an eSport game? I see, I see that the bright side, like you were saying, like having free advertisement and increasing popularity, but what would be the reason for them not to be in favor or something like that? And so the hard thing is um, some companies uh, have a different level of trust in third-party organizations where certain things can go awry and there are some certain controversies surrounding the game. Um, you know, for example, in the Counter-Strike scene, um, this is a long time ago, there was a, a huge, huge max match-fixing scandal that involved players betting against themselves, throwing the match, um, and you know that caused a lot of negative publicity, uh, but for the most part, it is it is sort of a a win win scenario for for games and leagues um, to be played at this level. So so it's possible to bet on on the games as well. Uh, not not in America. Um, okay. So that's something that just opened up, just like how traditional sports betting is really opening up in in America at the moment. Um, people can bet on professional esport matches in um in countries and uk uh, i believe so yeah i believe they bet um, on everything so. europe <laughs> europe yeah europe does have esports betting um okay. not at the collegiate level i don't think um in the future it will be but right now collegiate esports isn't isn't intensely large enough to warrant a huge betting scene but professional esports for sure um there are there are betting sites uh for esports overseas as as you see this kind of going forward well well here and this is more of a just general interest in here for some of those professional like large large ones what what's the kind of trophy trophy prize money all of that stuff where where does that go just for context of what what's really on stake at some of those larger um competitions 
so at the larger events, you see uh, prize pools in the millions range, and mm -hmm. those tend to go um, mostly to the mostly to the organization. It's kind of up to the organization how they they split up that money. Um, a lot of times they'll give a hundred percent to the players. Sometimes they'll they'll give a little bit to to the coaching staff, and then the rest of the players. Um, it is certainly split up in that way. Um, another thing, uh, something that is done. Um, that, that boasts a huge prize pool is Dota 2. They have a, a, something called the International and they sell in-game cosmetic items uh, for your characters. So if you want your character to look a certain way or, or, or you know, customize your look of your character or of your game profile, you buy these. And uh, Steam, the company that runs it, or Valve, sorry, Valve, the company that runs it, uh, takes all this money and puts it directly into the prize pool. So sometimes there are tournaments that boast a prize pool of you know, five to, to $7 million for, for one tournament. And it's, it's, you know, obviously life-changing amounts of money for, for these players that a lot of times are, you know, in like the 18, 19, 20 year old age range. Wow. So within that, what, what I just heard too, and, and I, I, again, I'm, I'm, my first competitive gaming experience was with a uh, Xbox and uh, actual like freaking phone jack and connecting it to other people in other rooms and still being in literally the same house. So um, Halo was was my kind of introduction to what this world could be. Um, but now, you know, as as five, six generations of that have have come forward, I even start to see how those video game developers that have really accepted the esports competition even bring in some of the team elements into the game so like you'll see the like you mentioned the skins and and the actual physical appearances of the characters being represented by the teams like so the team's colors are now able to be brought in to as me a fan of a specific team i can have their colors when i'm just playing it by myself or, or online at home um do you see that that sponsorship can start to happen so the developers start saying okay again we'll use liquid again saying hey we literally want to bring your logo and your your clout into our game to bring your fans even more into our game is that something that could potentially happen or, or really is starting to happen it's something that that's already already begun um esports its biggest revenue stream as an industry as a whole is sponsorships um, there's, uh, a lot of big name sponsors that sponsor esports. So, so Red Bull's big into it. Uh, Kia invests a lot in esports, uh, Coca-Cola, MasterCard, um, State Farm, just, just to name a few, for example, um, both at the professional level and some collegiate programs, some of the largest collegiate programs are starting to, to see some sponsors in as well. E Okay, even at the college, so like the college level, and, and I use, and I'm not saying NIU specifically, but some that same level of competition associated with the college, just like Adidas coming and sponsoring NIU's football team or their jerseys, they're doing that with esports college teams. Yeah, I think I think uh, Maryville, um, Maryville esports just got a uh, McDonald's sponsorship, so McDonald's officially sponsors their program. I don't know what. The, the deal looks like in terms of figures yeah, or, yeah. or guidelines, but it, it's still, I, I was very impressed to see something like that, to see a collegiate program um, get a, a sponsorship as big as McDonald's. 
Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that can be revolutionary for that stuff. And it's just like what happened in, in traditional sports that then starts to bring in a lot of money and a lot more support then. So that's actually exciting to see how, how that's, that's growing then. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in the beginning of esports in America, at the beginning, you, you saw a lot of sponsors that were just you know, gaming hardware or, or a mice, um, mice manufacturer, um, very esport like brands, but really in the last five, five or six years, you've really started to see some non-traditional gaming brands get into the esports space because it targets a, a demographic that isn't necessarily very easy to reach for these brands. Um, you know, most of the time, you it kind of a, a younger adult male group that can be hard for a, a brand to to connect with or you know get their spread their awareness to them so esports has been a, a great platform for these businesses to to expand their reach so Alex, yes. I, yeah, go, I have go a quick ahead. question and again it might might be something that already happening but do you see uh like in the future to have like a world cup like a nation level kind of competition or olympics of esports or So uh, as far as global competition goes, so one thing I like to direct to is um, League of Legends. So League of Legends is a game made by, by Riot, and they have several different regional leagues. Um, so they have one for North America, one for Europe. They have um, one for, for Korea and, and a lot, lot of others. And every year around November, um, each team crowns their, their best you know, X number of teams per league. And then they all travel to compete in what is called Worlds. Heavens every year. And it's all the best teams from every single region competing wow. to, to crown a best in the world. Um, and those, those are the esports that, that get huge amounts of viewership numbers out, out viewing you know, NBA finals games, World Series games, because everyone in the world is so invested in it. And it's, it's just like the World Cup. You do get a bit of, of country pride in there when you see you know, a team from your country doing very well. Wow, that's awesome, Alex. I, I kind of got goosebumps. As, as really the, the only way I, I have those experiences is with the Olympics and the World Cup. And I, and I love that because it just, everyone kind of comes together on that. So that's really cool. When when is traditionally Worlds at? That That is escaping me right now. Well, Worlds usually takes place around uh, October to November um, okay. for, for that specific esports leagues. Um, And it's something that is uh, Valorant starting to run as well. Um, it's called it's called Valorant Masters. Um, Overwatch League um, is a global league in itself. So there's 20 teams. No, there's yes, there's 20 teams in that league, uh, and there's you know teams in China. There's a team in Korea. There's uh, teams in Paris, London, uh, and then uh, all over North America, Toronto, New York. Uh, a couple teams in Los Angeles. It really is a, a global league. That that is amazing. So I I I, I have I have one question that I want to get into, um, and, and it might be uh, something that you want to duck and dive and dodge around. So I am prepared <laughs> for that. But I think uh, there is um, kind of a internal battle uh, that happens within the gaming community uh, between consoles versus 
CPU gamers. Um, is this true? And where do you fall on that? Because I definitely pick a side and I'm definitely against the other side. So I just need to know that right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it definitely not as bad as it once was, but to be, to be honest, most, most of esports is done on PC. You know, per, uh, so actual desktop with the mouse and keyboard, um, especially with like all the top esports. But there are uh, there is a lot of avenues for the first part of esports that I mentioned with the online ranking system that that is done on consoles. And I, and I have nothing against console players. I, I ever, you know, however someone wants to enjoy the game, um, if you enjoy it one way or the other, more power to you. I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, turn my nose up at you. Um, but, yeah, most most esport competition nowadays is done on on PCs. Got it. Okay. That's, uh, thanks for playing along with that one, Alex. <laughs> um, I do, I do want to kind of take a, a turn to a little bit more of the serious. And, and again, I, this is just your opinion, but I think it's a, a very valid one. And in our world, and, and especially in, in America, um, we, we experience tragic occurrences when it comes to gun violence and, and, and just violence in general. And without, um, you, you can pretty much bet on it at some point during the debate or the aftermath of, of tragic occurrences, you'll hear uh, kind of that, that what I would define as, as a cliche or a trope about video games and, and, and violence and, and creating some of these, these situations that I think we would all agree to uh, sh should try to be eliminated. Um, if you're, if you're a parent listening or you, you, you know, you have a, a, a kid getting into, you know, maybe these video games and, and admittedly, I'll, I'll define this. I mean, if, if you play Overwatch, at the end of the day, you are aiming at people and causing quote unquote damage. Now, of course, it, it, it's fake and uh, and all that stuff. But what? Where do you come at it with that? How how would you, you um, talk to a parent say and address that, or or, or where's that? I, I know this is a really difficult topic, but you're you're ingrained in that community, and I think your opinion is very valuable on that side. Yeah, and, and of course I'm biased because I, I'm surrounded by by the gaming space altogether. Um, but there have been a lot of studies that have done that have shown um, that there is uh, very little correlation between between violence um, and games. I've just just speaking from personal experience, other people may have different experiences from mine, but I have not not encountered anyone that has you know increased their their violent tendencies mm -hmm. or have have gotten more violent because of video games. Um, I think potentially that that is just a, a common scapegoat um, mm -hmm. because gaming is such a, a popular thing nowadays it's not just it's not just your basement dwellers that are playing it anymore like like it was 30 40 years ago um a, a lot of people are playing video games so when you hear stories in the news of so so and so uh you know played a lot of video games that that could be a similar thing you know attributed to so and so watched a lot of you know a lot of sports it doesn't necessarily mean that there's there's you know correlation doesn't equal causation as <laughs> as i learned in the almost program um but yeah uh I personally haven't experienced anything um, yeah. like that or of, of the sort. 
Okay, cool. I just, I, I wanted to see that if you're like, you know what, no, this is because I, I kind of view that along the lines of, of like when people do play football and you're like, well, you, you know, you can get concussions and people are like, yes, I understand that, but I take that risk. I, I kind of wanted to see if you're like, well, yes, you can become violent from these and, and it's a risk you have to take, but that's not, that's not your experience at least. Right. Yeah, correct. Correct. And then there, there's a lot of studies that show that, that it, there's, there's very little correlation between the two. Cool. So I think I think to solve the problem, we just get more people, more video games and, and have that happen. And then maybe <laughs> we'll solve a lot of problems. Then, <laughs> um, Alex, this, this is this is really cool. So I, I want to um, now kind of pick your brain and, and kind of wrap up this conversation for anyone that is really interested in, in getting a little bit more involved and, and maybe taking that step from just playing with friends or playing online to, to really trying to experience some of this more um, either collegiate or that amateur competitive or even, you know, aiming towards that professional. If I wanted to get involved in it, how, how do you, how do you go about that? What do you do? So if, you know, if you're, a, a younger listener listening to this, um, a lot of high school programs are starting to develop esports programs. So ask around your high school, uh, ask and see if your high school has an esports program. If they don't, um, try and start a, a student club uh, and have a student esports club. That's how that's how NIU esports got started. You know, over a decade ago, it was just a student club up until up until t- 2018. And then those getting to the collegiate space do the same thing. Do do some research, uh, reach out to the people working at these programs, ask about esports. Um, and if you're older, if you're past the collegiate and uh, the the high school level, uh, there's still a lot of a lot of uh, you know say quote unquote community bulletin boards um, through through Discord servers of people looking to to play in organized competitions. That there's there's it's just getting a group of people together. And playing so really esports. Um, it's one thing that I I really love about it. It's it's a, people of all ages and abilities. Um, it, unlike traditional sports, where you know there's a certain certain type of, of uh, genetic code that you kind of need to play uh, sports at the top <laughs> level. Um, anyone can enjoy esports at, at any level, um, no matter your background. I, I mean, I think one more thing I want to say, because I think Alex said well at the beginning, uh, it kind of goes back on possible dark side of video games is finding a balance, right? Because, uh, I mean, I remember when I was younger, I was so into a game, right? I could spend like 12, 14 hours in front of it, and that can be kind of dangerous for your health, right? It can be highest problem or any other problems, sleeping problems and stuff like that. So I think... <laughs> on top of like it's great work to to be part of and i i mean i'm surprised of how much already has grown and thanks alex to bringing us to us but i i will encourage people to take a balance between you know real life and video games I of think course that's of course and that that's very important it's actually one of the the pillars we have three pillars that niu esports is is founded on and one of them is healthy gaming practice so uh, our coaches um and our program in general just always preaches you are a student first and a collegiate esports player second. Um, whenever, if there's ever a time where a student uh, is super swamped because they have an exam coming up that week, we tell them, don't worry about practice, don't worry about games, just focus on studying, do well. Um, but the conference and our program has a minimum GPA requirement to play on the team. So you can't be you know, on academic probation and playing. You need to keep on top of your schoolwork. 
because um, ultimately, you know, that's what students are here for. They are here to to get an education and to do well in college. Um, esports is sort of a, a side thing compared to that because um, just education is extremely important, and we do not want students sacrificing uh, their education for esports. Mm. I love that, Alex, so much. And, and I'm uh, for all of our listeners uh, in the description of this of this episode. I'm gonna post the links to NIU's esports teams, just so you can kind of see what it's about. And, and truly, the main reason why I'm doing that is to show off the NIU esports jersey, which I think is the coolest jersey on campus by far. So, Alex, if you can. I love it a lot. Yeah. Right, right. If you can tell me how I can buy one of those and uh, do that, I would definitely be interested in. So, you know, make sure to contact me with that. Um, but anyone else listening, again, truly uh, check this stuff out and, and get involved in it. I think I think uh, some of the just inherent biases associated with esports should be should be shifting a little bit because as you can tell uh alex is 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 committed is dedicated is diligent is hardworking, and and it's really cool to see people kind of uh paving a, a new way and, and doing some awesome stuff so alex again thank you so much for being here and, and sharing your insight with us of course i'm more than happy to thank you guys so much for for having me on and if any listeners have any questions about niu esports in general um just just go to our website at niu.edu slash esports um, and in the about me page uh, there'll be uh, my contact information there so feel free to reach out I'll be happy to answer any questions uh, you guys have perfect thanks so much Alex have a great rest of your day and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Gateway brought to you by NIU's College of Business. Please make sure to subscribe to The Gateway. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. And if you are so inclined, please feel free to give us those five-star ratings, which help allow us to continue to bring wonderful guests to the gateway. Thank you all for listening. And remember to love always the promise of tomorrow today. Tomorrow today.